The longest win streak in the NBA continues as the Rockets claim a 118-108 win over the New Orleans Pelicans. Also, expectations for how Steven Silas should be handling the lineups for this Rockets team moving forward. Tillman Fertitta's mentality surrounding the Rockets' rebuilding process and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. It's the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets, where we get to talk about the hottest team in the NBA. As always, I am your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and co-host of Locked on NBA Thursdays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets and joining us to break down what has been going on with your Houston Rockets, as well as all the things going forward with this team. A little bit of news about Tillman Fertitta and his mentality surrounding the rebuild is none other than Rockets Wire editor, the podfather himself, Ben DuBose. What's up, Ben? How's it going, man? Pretty well, Jackson. I think anybody around the Rockets is doing uh, well on this six game streak and trying to enjoy it while we can, man. I know, because we don't know how much longer it's going to last. Like, every single win, I have just felt so, like, relieved. It's like just a breath of fresh air. And I I have learned to never take anything for granted after that 15-game slide. I thought I would learn to not take anything for granted after the 20-game slide last year. But, you know, how innocent are we where we just get one one season removed and then suddenly another, another gigantic losing streak, and it puts it all in perspective for us. But we get to talk about the Rockets, you know, sixth win in a row. Just very briefly here, we're going to hit on the Pelicans game. And Ben, this was a game where, you know, coming in, we, you know, we weren't exactly sure what the starting lineup was going to be. There were question marks surrounding Kevin Porter Jr. And Steven Silas, at at first, it sounded like we were going to get Armani Brooks in the starting lineup uh, based on what Kaylee Griffin, Jonathan Fagan had put out there in the Twitter sphere. And then it turns out the Rockets decided to pull a fast one and start Daniel Tice, much to the chagrin of Rockets fans everywhere. And I have like this, you know, I'm kind of back and forth on the Daniel Tice thing. I want to get your thoughts where where you're at with it, because clearly to me, it seems like that that duo of him and Christian Wood just doesn't mesh well enough offensively. And and the perceived, you know, Mm -hmm. size advantage or defensive component that that duo is supposed to provide doesn't outweigh the struggles that they face offensively. What are your thoughts about that pairing? Yeah, I don't think it's going to work very often, but I liked a lot more what I heard and saw from Silas against the Pelicans because it was much more limited. Basically what it was, it, it amounted to stealing six or so minutes at the start of each half. I think Tice ended up playing 17 minutes, and of those 17, some of them came as basically just an emergency replacement late in the first half. We saw it some in the second as well because both uh, Shingun and Christian Wood got into foul trouble. By and large, what they were trying to do is just buy some time. Keep in mind that with Kevin Porter Jr. out, even though that's a very different position, you are down a rotation player, a guy that typically plays about 30 to 35 minutes a night. So there are some minutes that need to be absorbed by capable NBA players if you have them. And in the case of Jonas Valanciunas, you have a very big body that Tice can provide some value in terms of boxing out against. And to me, this was a much better balance. If you're going to use Daniel Tice and Christian Wood, it's not ideal ever 
But this is a situation on a limited basis, strictly big on big. This was not what we saw that game in Oklahoma City, the first one that the Rockets lost that drove everyone crazy because they made the lineup change. Then they brought in Tice and they played Shingun just five minutes. Remember that? This was not that. This was one in which Shingun clearly there was an emphasis to play him. And for a second straight game, we saw Christian Wood and Al P playing together in the fourth quarter. So clearly that's something they want to explore. And it felt a lot more like Tice was just sort of filling bit minutes here or there and really using him to sort of box out Valanchunas when possible. It wasn't like he was the emphasis. The focal point was still Christian Wood and, of course, uh, Alperen Shingun when he's on the floor. And so to me, the way they used Tice on Sunday – made a lot more sense from a big picture developmental standpoint. I'm okay with situationally using him for, you know, somewhere between 10 to 15 minutes a game. What I'm not okay with is playing him 25 to 30 and coming at the expense of LP in the middle. It didn't happen. And I think they used Tice suitably on Sunday. I think too, you know, the, the biggest part in all of this, like you kind of already mentioned is we've seen back-to-back games now where Steven Silas has opted to let Alpi and Christian Wood share the floor together for, you know, the, that brief stretch kind of in the fourth quarter, both nights, you know, just kind of allowing that, that duo to get some real game reps together because as we've kind of seen, you know, some of the issues I think with the Wood Tice pairing aren't necessarily there with the Wood Shingun pairing because Shingun brings a bit more to the table offensively than Daniel Tice does. But overall, in in this game, I think one of the reasons that we're not seeing Shingun, you know, with all the Shingun stands everywhere, just begging, why is he not starting? Why is Tice starting over him? All these different things. Why is he not getting 25, 30 plus minutes a night? I I think there's kind of two two things there, and I want to get your thoughts on it, Ben. One, Shingun helps with the playmaking in that second unit, right? DJ Augustine's Mm -hmm. done a pretty solid job kind of being the captain of that second unit, but Alper and Shingun and DJ have a great chemistry together, and those two keep things moving in that second unit. And then not only that, Alpi's struggled with fouling. You know, I I hate to, you know, have to point that out, but even in just this game, he had five fouls in 17 minutes of action. Maybe it's a bit of an unfavorable whistle. Maybe it's adjusting to the speed of the NBA game, but that's been kind of the, that's kind of the next step in his game, wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And to your point on Augustine and Shingun, we heard from DJ post game, and he commented on how intelligent that Shingun is already at 19 years old. And so you can see the synergies there and how they play well together. And it makes sense given that both of them have a very high IQ. As far as the rest of it, you're exactly right. It's the fouling. And I think some of it's, it's just going to take time because the speed of the NBA game, it's not that he can't handle it from a processing standpoint. It's more, there are gambles that you can take, especially defensively, with the speed of players in the Turkish league that you can't in the NBA because he's so smart. He's so good at understanding exactly when he can reach it. And he's had some really big time steals this year where, you know, it seems like he just has no play and all of a sudden he gets his hand in there. But the flip side is that you gamble too often, you're going to get burned. And I think what's happening in a lot of these situations is he's so used to the speed of the game in Turkey, not so much mentally, it's physically just the cutters. It's especially the off ball actions. When those guys drive inside, they're just so much quicker and he can't time it just right. And he's got to get used to not taking every gamble. And to me, you're hitting the nail on the head. It's about the fouls. As much as you want to see him play more, imagine the rate at which he's fouling now and then put him up against starting quality NBA players. It would get out of control. So I see what they're doing. You, you know, you see the highs, but you need to see some consistency in terms of defending without fouling before you really ratchet those minutes up too much and to say, 
uh, the mid twenties or so. Another pair of big nights from Christian Wood and Eric Gordon, who have been, you know, they've both been playing some of the best basketball of their respective careers through this, uh, you know, Rockets win streak that they're on, both finishing the night with 23 points apiece. And then th this game kind of uh, down the stretch, it almost felt like a little bit reminiscent of the uh, game that they eked out against the Orlando yeah. Magic uh, for the fifth win in this win streak where, you know, they had a comfortable lead late, you know, early in the fourth quarter, and then they started to see that lead kind of whittled down. But the difference between these two games, they were finally able to, you know, in, in the late stretch of the fourth quarter in this one, they were able to put a little bit of room between themselves and the Pelicans. And then not only that, Gary, uh, Gary Math Matthews, Garrison Matthews, I should say, Gary Bird himself, <laughs> drilling a, a, another clutch three-pointer. How many clutch threes has he had already as a Houston Rocket been? It, it's been absurd, his impact in such a short amount of time yeah. with this team. Yeah, and the one thing that I would throw in there about the ugly finishes is that's where it really stands out that they don't have a point guard with the injury to Kevin Porter Jr. Because what ends up happening is inevitably the game slows at the NBA when it's close and late, and you typically use your point guard to get you going and sometimes to create off the dribble, try and probe and get a kick out. And without Kevin Porter Jr., there's not really that one guy. We've seen Eric Gordon and Jay Sean Tate try to take on a greater playmaking role and certainly in the case of EG, a scoring role to a lot of success. Tate, the game in OKC a week ago was incredible, but his passing has gotten better as well. But neither of them is nearly as smooth as a true point guard. So there's going to be some glitches until they have a true point guard back or the closest thing to a true point guard that they have, which is Kevin Porter Jr. this season. I'm not that worried about it. I think a lot of that's going to resolve itself, at least to some degree, when they get the guards back and they're playing much more of a normal uh, system. As far as Christian... I'm really excited to see what he can do. Now, the schedule is going to get a lot tougher. You have Brooklyn, Milwaukee coming up. So this streak, let's be real, the first two games against the Bulls and the Hornets were impressive. Since then, you've had the Thunder twice, the Magic, the Pelicans. It's not all that great. But look, Christian Wood, people forget before the ankle injury last year, they were also on a six-game winning streak. And they'd won seven of eight. And we were talking about Christian Wood as a potential all-star and wondering what can he be? And of course, there is going to be a decision to be made regarding Christian Wood as we get closer to the trade deadline. And if not the trade deadline, definitely in the offseason with regards to, you know, if you're not going to commit to him long term, if you don't think the finances or the timeline is right, then do you have to explore trading him? Well, I still don't think we fully know what Christian Wood can be. And we'll talk about that more in the Tillman Fertitta segment coming up. But I'm excited because the version of Christian Wood we saw to end last season was extremely limited by injury. That was not the same guy after the ankle injury. Just was not there. And the version to start this year was constrained by the position alignment, as we talked about, with the fit next to Daniel Tice, or the total lack thereof. This six-game streak, and it's no coincidence, the Rockets have gotten back to playing better basketball when they got back to the old Christian Wood, optimizing the system to their best returning player. And so now that you have him clicking look, you're probably going to lose more games or you're certainly going to lose more games and we'll see what the exact rate is. Do they fall back to the very bottom of the West? Are they able to stay somewhat competitive for a while? Truth be told, I don't know. Uh, you know, I want to see what happens against the Nets and what should be a pretty juiced environment. But I think with Christian, there is still some uncertainty. How good can he be? He's only 26 years old. It's his second year as a starter. And again, a lot of the results, I know Rockets Twitter feels like they know him very well, but there are some extenuating circumstances. Now he's back in his ideal role. He's healthy, as far as I can tell. He hadn't had any issues with the ankle, knock on wood, literally. Uh, although I guess not too hard in the case of Christian Wood. But yeah, just, I know. 
But I'm just excited to see what can happen now that you have a healthy Christian Wood and you're using him the right way. It feels like really the first time since late January, early February, and the competition has been weak. I fully acknowledge that. But it's enough of a sample in which, hey, I want to see this for a few games longer. Let's see what a truly Christian Wood-led and optimized system can do. Coming up, we're going to dive into those comments from one Tillman Fertitta about the Houston Rockets rebuild, and we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Look, I forget about my subscriptions a lot, right? On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, one click, one button. It is that easy. So don't fall for subscription scams anymore. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. Go right now. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. It could save you thousands a year. Again, that's Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. And another message from our friends over at Theragun. Because look, whether you are an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body anymore. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on, therabody.com slash locked on. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We appreciate you making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Also, as a quick a quick aside, there are, at the time that you're listening to this episode, there are two Rockets tickets up for grabs for the Rockets-Nets game Wednesday evening. You just got to go to my Twitter handle, my Twitter page, at JT Gatlin. Find the tweet where I'm doing the giveaway. Go like it, retweet it, follow me, all that good stuff. Be entered for a chance to win a pair of awesome tickets to Rockets Nets. You don't want to miss that game. James Harden returning to town. It's going to be, as and, Ben already said, it's going to be a juiced environment. Yeah, and by the way, I'm going to have two as well. So follow oh, Ben Dubose and I'll have my own <laughs> pair going up. So yeah, might as well plug it while you are. Okay, there we go. So we, we got a lot of tickets being given away. So definitely go, go you know, follow both of us on Twitter. Go, go do all that good stuff. But Ben, let's get to these comments from Tillman Fertitta because I think that, Overall, one of the things that hasn't, at least in my opinion, and maybe it's just because I, I haven't spent enough time talking about it on this very podcast or haven't seen it being discussed enough, but I really think that kind of throughout, you know, Stone's tenure as the general manager, as the Rockets kind of shifted eras, right, mm -hmm. from, from Daryl Morey to, to, to Stone, it's felt like ownership has, has really taken more so of a step back with yeah. basketball ops, letting Rafael Stone have a clear directive and handle over everything that's being done with the organization moving forward. And the comments from Tillman Fertitta coming out, you know, uh, in this uh, interview by Paper City, basically allude to just that, that he understands that this rebuild is going to be a, 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 you know, a bit of a longer process. But if you do it right, they can come out better for it on the other side. So specifically, uh, Tillman Fertitta talking about 
you know, the Rockets and their struggles to start the season and uh, talking about, you know, he's a guy that likes to win. So he says, I, I like to win, but I understand that this is the process. And the biggest mistake that you can make is that we could bring in a bunch of veterans with these young guys and win more games, but it's not the right process. You've got to let these guys have the minutes and you've got to let it work. We don't want to be one of those building programs that are just mediocre for four or five years. That's what a lot of teams decide to do. And when you've been as good as we were for so many years, yeah, we could have had the eighth seed in the playoffs or the ninth seed, but it's better to tear it apart and start over and build it up again, which Ben, that gives me a lot of confidence that this organization is committed to a plan to for for long-term success, and they're not trying to rush things just yeah. to be relevant within the next season or two. Yeah, I thought it was a really encouraging interview, and it actually took me a couple of days to find it. You may have missed it because it's actually about uh, U of H football leading into the American Athletic Conference uh, championship game over the weekend. But of course, when you get an exclusive with Tillman, you've got to asking about the Rockets, so it's a little bit buried in there. So it took me a few days to actually find it. A great interview by uh, Chris Baldwin. But yeah, I thought it was encouraging on a couple of levels. First, he talks about the analytics and the headline grabber. There's a quote about, you know, triple doubles being overrated and people wondered, you know, is it a shot at Russ? And then it goes back into, you know, well, was Tillman the guy or was it Harden, whatever, that did the CP Russ trade? Look, everybody's got their views that are dug in on that. It is what it is. And reality is at this point, it doesn't matter. That's two and a half years old. So in terms of what matters, which is looking forward and what you can control, there were two things that I really liked. First, I liked towards the end in the part about analytics, he referenced that when he took over the job, he did not know how little he knew. And of course, that's a reference to just how much the analytics give you a picture that even if you're a diehard fan that's going to games as he was sitting courtside, that you just don't fully understand and appreciate. So I think, you know, part of being a good businessman and just a, a good executive in general is understanding your limitations, what you don't know. And so I think that's, you know, it speaks well to him being willing to defer to certainly Raphael Stone and the rest of the basketball operations department. But what I really liked the most was the emphasis about not bringing in veterans, shout out John Wall, wink, <laughs> but they're going to give the minutes to younger players. Now, you know, they'll play John Wall in the right role if we're talking the DJ Augustine type minutes, 15, 20 minutes a night, but that's why they've drawn such a hard line in the sand. And that's also why I'm so excited about this particular run. And, you know, every day on Twitter, it seems like there's a new discussion of, are the Rockets winning too much? Because people want this linear sort of rise or, or fall and now a rise in which, you know, you lost James Harden. Now you get your next cornerstones in the draft. You already got Jalen Green. Maybe you get um, Paolo. You get Jalen Ivey, whoever it is that that you get lucky. And, you know, if you have another top pick in the 2022 draft, and then that's the foundation of your future. That's one way of doing it. But there are other ways, too. And if you are playing the young guys, which they generally are, the only guy playing major minutes, I'm not counting Augustine at 12 minutes a night as a bit player, and who knows if he's even in the rotation, if KPJ and Jalen Green, all those guys are healthy. The only guy that is not clearly, or, or at least potentially, I should say, a guy who could fit three years from now is Eric Gordon. And that's because Eric has the type of game, we've talked about it before, that brings out the best in the players around him in terms of what he provides as a floor spacer, as a defender. Everyone else that's out there, including the bit players, I shouldn't call them bit players because, look, Gary Bird, let's be real, that's a nickname for a reason. But Garrison Matthews, Armani Brooks, KJ Martin, those types, those are guys that could be role players for your next contender three, four years down the road, potentially. And that's why I'm really enjoying watching this team. A year ago, when you didn't have any building block in place, it was fair to sort of wonder, okay, if we get these wins while the team is playing John Wall, Victor Oladipo, DeMarcus Cousins, just random short-term veterans, 
what does that really do for you in the grand scheme? In this case, the way that they are committed to giving these minutes to the younger players, look, I get the appeal of getting another top pick in 2022, and let's be real, they probably will. They're still in the bottom five of the league, and the schedule is going to get a lot tougher. I'm not naive. But if somehow this run is real and it continues and they found something, you know what? It's because players that are going to be here for a while have outperformed expectations. Or maybe Christian Wood proves that the guy he's been over the last six games and the guy he was before the ankle injury last year is a guy who legitimately can be. Now, let's not get crazy. Let's not say that he's going to be the best player on a championship team, but maybe he can be the second or third best player on a contender. Something along those lines that sort of influences your thinking, what you're willing to pay for him in the future. At a bare minimum, maybe it just boosts his trade value. You know, I remember when the Boston game happened, the 1-16 in when the Rockets truly bottomed out, I was talking with Rahat, Red94 on Twitter, about the Wood-Tice alignment and whether it might be cratering Christian Wood's trade value because, of course, his percentages and such were artificially deflated based on the fact that it wasn't playing to his skill set. Now the Rockets have taken off with Christian Wood clearly as the focal point, the guy leading this run, and you have the role players, the young guys that are filling in around him. Really, the only guy in the clear rotation that isn't is Eric Gordon, and you know, I, I think he's an acceptable outlier for a number of reasons, as we've talked about in the past, the quintessential role player for a rebuilding team, if you will. And so because of that, that's why I'm really optimistic about this, because they've got this, I would say, clear emphasis on the younger guys. If they win at a high level sooner than expected, it's not the end of the world. Maybe Shingun turns into your Bam Adebayo or something. Not saying that they're similar in terms of how they play. What I'm saying is, you know, Miami never bottomed out in large part because Adebayo ended up being a basically a star level player or close to it. Definitely a max guy from 13th overall, in the middle of the first round. That's right about the same range that Shingun was. And I'm not saying I expect that to happen at all. But what I'm saying is that when you've put the roster together and you're playing the guys that Steven Silas and Raphael Stone have committed to playing and developing, even if you do have a run like this for six games, and let's say it continues, then you know what? The, the guys that are playing well and not performing expectations, those guys are better for your future as well. Those guys conceivably could be role players for your next contender. At a bare minimum, they potentially raise their trade value. But the point is, if you have that big picture emphasis, and they do, these winning streaks aren't hollow. And so while I expect, you know, the logical case is that they're going to start sliding back closer to the bottom of the West now that the schedule is getting tougher and that's probably going to happen. And if that's the case, we'll be back to refreshing Tankathon every day like we were before. But if for some reason it doesn't, you don't have to fear it because the way they've set this up is that if they do outperform, in my opinion, that's a good thing. Because even if you're slightly lowering your odds in the 2022 draft, keep in mind they're flattened, but at the same time, okay, well, now you're playing these other young guys. You're committed to them and developing them in the system that Silas and Stone want. And so that works too. And that starts with ownership and the last thing I'll say about the interview, for anyone that's listening to this or watching and also follows the Houston Texans, which is, oh my God, it's so bad. Part of the reason that- Hang on, sh shout out to our friends over at Locked on Texans. Go check out that podcast. Yeah. But uh, part of the reason, besides just the fact that they're terrible and they have all these one-year guys passing through, there really aren't a lot at this point in the way of like legitimately future prospects on the Texans, at least not compared to most NFL rosters, the front office operates in such a silo that even if there were signs of improvement from Cal McNair, Jack Easterby, all the guys that everyone loves to hate, we wouldn't know 
because they're not doing these interviews. And that's that makes it hard for fans to buy in. And if the culture of negativity is such online and at the games that fans are booing and feel compelled to sort of express their discontent all the time, absolutely that can trickle down to the players and how attractive the franchise is to potential free agents, trade targets, whatever it may be. And so even if the Texans are doing things better, they operate in such a silo that no one really knows and the fan base isn't buying in. With this interview from Tillman, and again, you don't want to take it to extremes. You absolutely can do too many interviews. That's the thing. But the occasional interview, even if it's not reinventing the wheel, even if it's just saying variations of what's been said before, it helps to get the fan base bought in through a season that most likely is going to end with a lot of losses. It helps the culture, the vibes in Toyota Center, on social media, the podcast ratings, if you will. It keeps everything in the right frame of mind to where it's conducive for the development of the young guys that are here, that you want to be a part of your future. And it's a big part of making the franchise attractive to other guys. So to me, that's what I really, really liked about it the most, Jackson. It was a big part, in my opinion, of making it, of trying to build a connection. You can't make up for what happened in 2017 through 2019. Everybody's got their opinions. It is what it is in terms of the first couple of years of Tillman Fertitta's ownership. But going forward, I do think having the fan base bought in, at least to an extent, is helpful. And that's what I think these types of interviews do. And so I think it was a good idea to do it. Absolutely. Um, hitting the nail on head on a lot of different points there, Ben. And I want to I want to dive into a little bit further. We, we hit on this just very briefly talking about kind of the pairing of Christian Wood and, and Daniel Tice. I want to get into, you know, the lineups moving forward for this Rockets team. What some of the expectations that you and I have for those lineups are, as well as maybe pushing back on a bit of a false narrative surrounding Jalen Green. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge, right? Be it sports, politics, whatever. Switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Get three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line and a free 5G phone when you switch so you can get the latest episodes. All on one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save Boost Mobile. Disclaimer, free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones slash networks. See boostmobile.com for details. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Final segment with one Ben Dubose, Rockets Wire editor. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Dubose. You can follow me at JT Gatlin. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Now, Ben, we're looking at this Rockets team and they've they found a lot of success. They've had, you know, contributions from really, it seems, you know, across the board, you know, frankly, you've got, you know, Jalen Green obviously going out right at the start of the win streak, which we're going to push back on this false narrative here in just a second. But they've started getting the contributions from Garrison Matthews, from Armani Brooks. They got, you know, Alperin Shingun, who's been playing off the bench at a very, very high level. Christian Wood slotting back to the five and kind of figuring things out there. So before I get to the point, before we get to the point on, on Jalen Green, actually, maybe, you know, let's start with that because I feel like that's a better starting point. There's been this, this, you know, assumption or false narrative running around that the Rockets win streak is because of the fact that Jalen Green is out, right? There was some graphic running around on Twitter, you know, the Rockets with yeah. Jalen Green, one and 16, the Rockets without Jalen Green, five and oh, six and oh, whatever. And to me, like, like all things, and I feel like you are, you know, I, I love talking basketball with you because I feel like you appreciate gray area and nuance. Yeah. So like all things, it's, it's not a black and white thing. You can't sit here and say exclusively, 
that there isn't like a little bit of maybe something to do with Jalen Green being out yeah. that maybe would can you know be a bit more conducive to winning games, i.e. Garrison Matthews or Armani Brooks getting minutes as like bona fide sharpshooters in place of Jalen Green. Yeah. And so maybe or, some of the or shots just the general defensive liabilities that come with being 19 years old and not having your frame filled out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a little bit. Yeah, so but, there, there's a, a few things there, but by and large, I think it's just it's a non-starter to try and sit here and paint a picture that the Rockets are on a six-game win streak yeah. because Jalen Green is out. Yeah, absolutely not. The far and away headliner, and I've already said it multiple times on this podcast, is Christian Wood. What changed with this six-game streak, and it is by far the most important thing when it comes to winning for the Houston Rockets right now, they optimized their system. They made a change to the benefit of their clear best returning player. Even the best rookies are not contributing that much to winning. That's just the reality, especially because even if they put up the numbers, the fact is they're usually not there in regards to fully understanding the defensive end of the floor, the rotations. You don't really have very many rookies, if at all, that contribute significantly to winning. So in terms of Going on a six-game win streak, it's always going to be about more established players. And in this case, what changed was that the Rockets' best returning player, Christian Wood, went from being utilized in the wrong way and his performance underachieving what he did a year ago at all reasonable expectations to a, a guy in the past week, or, or really two weeks, but certainly this past week, I thought he deserved serious and he was nominated for Western Conference Player of the Week. He has been that good. He has been all-star level, as he mentioned in his article with uh, Kelly Eco today, as a goal for him. It's really that simple. And then beyond that, until the last couple of games, well, and not as if Jay Sean Tate has been bad, but Jay Sean Tate, especially that game in Oklahoma City where he was just unreal, the historic 30-10-5 and game that I think only Hakeem 30, has 10, done. 30-10-5-5, five and five. that's yeah. the thing. Five, yeah, there you go. five assists, five blocks. Yeah. Uh, showing signs. He's always in the defender, but now he's doing more as a scorer and a playmaker, which is especially big with Kevin Porter Jr. being in and out of the lineup all season long with the thigh contusion that, Let's be real. One of the things that kind of makes me a little not upset, but resigned to perhaps some losses in the near future. Besides the schedule, I have a tough time seeing KPJ come back really anytime soon because they already tried shutting me down for a week and that didn't uh, help it. Well, it helped, but it didn't solve it. So just my hunch, not a doctor, but just my hunch is that if a week wasn't long enough, they might try longer than that this time, although they have not committed to a timetable just yet. But the point is, Jay Sean Tate taking over more as a scorer and a playmaker, a facilitator, that's a big deal. And that is far and away. And of course, Eric Gordon playing very well, but I would say EG almost all season long, he's been the constant. Although he did miss a couple of games, so maybe having him in the lineup for this entire streak does something as well. I would just say, yeah, when we're talking about a winning streak, it doesn't really have a lot to do with who's not out there. It has to do with who is out there. And the big difference for the Rockets, bottom line, is steps forward and better utilization of the returning veterans, most notably Christian Wood, Jay Sean Tate, and I suppose to a lesser extent, Eric Gordon, just his availability. You know, you, you hit you hit on KPJ there, the fact that, you know, we don't have a, a, a an explicit timetable for him. I do remember Steven Silas saying day-to-day uh, -day was like the official prognosis. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, like, like you, I'd be hard-pressed to imagine that he's not out for you know, an extended period of time, because obviously, you know, resting him for a week didn't quite get it done, unfortunately. And when it's those, those type of like deep tissue, like thigh injuries from like your knee to like your upper, you know, hip area, if it's like right in there, which is clearly where it is for KPJ, that's a bit problematic. Yeah. So I'd imagine he's going to be out for a period. And it's period. the same, 
it's the same logic, by the way, with Jalen Green, even though it's a hamstring yeah. at the same time, they say week to week, but that's more just how they're being evaluated in terms of when they actually return to the court. There's a gradual buildup to make sure those guys are OK. So I would just say don't take the literal day to day or week to week all that literally don't look at it as though they're going to come back in the next game or two. It's probably going to be longer term because they want to make sure that those guys are right for the long haul of the many months ahead. So what you're saying is there is a ramp up period for now a trio of guards on the Houston Rockets in KPJ, Jalen Green, and John Wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it, it, what I where I wanted to take this conversation, Ben, is obviously we're we're waiting to see you know how long it's going to be for Jalen Green and KPJ for those two guys to get right and get back mm -hmm. into the lineup. But they've obviously found something with Garrison Matthews. Armani Brooks yep. has been playing with a lot of confidence. Eric Gordon, like you mentioned, has been the constant for this team throughout the season. To you. What is the lineup that when this team is whole, when, when everybody's back in play, what is the starting lineup that you want to see on the floor for this team moving forward? I have, I have my, my version of it in mind, and I can lead with mine if you, if you want, and then you can tackle yours, or maybe it'll be the same. It's up to you. Um, I'll start. For me, and it's a blend of winning now plus development. Because, okay. again, even with this streak without Jalen, he's way too important. Number two overall draft pick for you not to put in the starting lineup. And conversely, I know people are going to say, well, you're going to put Jalen in the starting lineup, but not LP. Well, I think with LP, there's the fouling thing. And I want to see more from him on the defensive end of the floor before I jump him from 18 minutes a game to 30, anything like that. He's got to sort of pace himself a little bit better. So the grouping that I want to see, KPJ, Jalen, Eric Gordon at the three. I know that's a little controversial, but I, I think in today's pace and space NBA, he's a perfect fit and plays above his size defensively. And then Jay Sean Tate at the four and Christian at the five. That's what I want. To me, it's a little undersized, yes, but that's the best blend of defense, shooting, and young guys for the sake of uh, development, which is um, Jalen and to a lesser extent, KPJ. I really, and I, I was kind of, back and forth between that lineup and the, the other one, which is is the one that they basically kind of been running uh, in the absence of Jalen Green. And that would be essentially swapping out Eric Gordon for Jalen Green. So basically keeping Garrison Matthews in the starting lineup, I think that we've seen what his shooting really unlocks for this mm -hmm. group of guys when he's out there. And I, I'm really hopeful that when this Rockets lineup is whole and they've got all their bodies back in play, that Steven Silas is still able to find a way to stagger the minutes between Garrison yeah. Matthews and Eric Gordon and Armani Brooks, because having so many quality shooters like that, who can stretch the defense even further out and guys who can catch and shoot on the move, you know, like the way that those three guys can, it's done so much for this Rockets offense to be able to see the weapons on the perimeter for yeah. Christian Wood to have guys to throw the ball to for Alper and Shingun to create for them. Jay Sean Tate. I think there's a reason that we've seen this Rockets team have such a significant uptick in their assists per game throughout this win streak is because they're finally having guys who can hit shots. They're shooting an absurd. I, I had to go look it up, Ben, because I wanted to make sure that I got the stats right on this, but over mm -hmm. the win streak, they're shooting a ridiculous. Hang on. Where is it? I got it right here. And now I lost it. Of course I did three point percentage. There it goes. All right. They're shooting a ridiculous 42.5% or I apologize, 40.8% from behind mm -hmm. the three point line. They're making 17 threes a game. Yeah. And they're attempting roughly 43 threes a game. They were like middle of the pack for the first 16, 17 games of the season. That was one of my biggest observations, biggest takeaways from that 15 game losing streak. Mm. I was just like, they're just not generating enough threes. They just don't have the guys who can shoot them. And I think keeping a guy like Garrison Matthews in the starting lineup 
is what helps unlock that. Even if you take a little bit of a backseat defensively to what somebody like an Eric Gordon could bring to the table. But I think you would, you, you solve that by making yeah. Eric Gordon an early substitution off the bench. Personally, that's yeah, the direction I mean, you I'd can like go both here. ways. Part of the, part of my rationale for starting EG is sort of understanding that there's a little bit most likely of showcasing for a trade in there. And, mm -hmm. you know, as much as we want this win streak to continue, the odds are they're probably going to start falling back to the pack a little bit back to reality. Now the schedule is toughening up. And at some point closer to the deadline, you likely move Eric Gordon and then you can slide Garrison Matthews into that role anyway. So that's sort of how I'm looking at it as tiebreaker to the veteran right now. And also I like Eric Gordon's defense just because if you're going to be somewhat undersized, which you are with Tate at the four. Now, I know he plays bigger than his size, but I'm talking about just overall length here. And you're going to go with the young backcourt of KPJ and Jalen Green. Then I like having uh, Eric Gordon's physical presence as a defender to sort of help them out with some matchups. I think that's part of why they tried for so long with uh, the Wood Tice pairings is that you had Jay Sean Tate at the three, and that presence defensively was able to sort of help out the liabilities with uh, KPJ and especially with Jalen Green as a rookie. So that's why I would like to have a more defensive-oriented presence like Eric Gordon out there, but you can definitely make an argument for Garrison. And, and the bottom line is, as long as he plays 25-plus minutes, that's all that really matters at, at the end of the day. As long as both those guys are 25-plus minutes per game players, ride the hot hand as far as who's shooting better on a given night and make sure they're giving enough shots to get in rhythm, I'm fine either way. We didn't spend any time talking about John Wall, and there's a good reason for that because there's currently no update on that front other than he is still in his ramp-up period. We'll um, see. And it's basically TBD. We'll see all of that around the corner. But, of course, we'll keep you updated for all of that and more right here at Locked on Rockets. Ben, go ahead and let everybody know where to track you down at. Yep, uh, the Rocketswire on Twitter, rocketswire.usatoday.com is the website, and at Ben Dubose is my Twitter. And, of course, as mentioned earlier, I'll have a couple of uh, tickets for the Nets game. I'll be putting those up on Tuesday, so stay tuned. We'll do some kind of fun giveaway shortly after uh, yours concludes at JT Gatlin. As always, Ben, a pleasure being able to talk Rockets hoops with you. Thanks for having me, bud. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. As always, appreciate you checking the show out. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, as well as subscribing to the brand new Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. Search Locked on Rockets, hit subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. But for today's episode, that is going to do it. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.